the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Five zero. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Good Saturday morning, and welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. I am not Chris McKay. I am Bob Jones in for the vacationing. Chris McKay, Chris is spending some time with uh, church and family duties, so you are stuck with Bob in the back on this Saturday morning. And in with us today on the Larry Rosenthal Show, of course, is Dina Arnett. Good morning, Dina. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning. Larry also is on vacation, uh, bicycling back to D.C. from... Pittsburgh, maybe? That's a vacation? I, for him it is. It would not be for me. No, no, to me a vacation is going to look at mountains or going to look at an ocean or a gulf. I hear you. That's, I hear you. that's a vacation. Yes. I, I want to let our listeners know that you are, if you're interested in talking to us about financial planning, retirement planning, you can call us right now at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. What I want to talk about, what I want to hear you talk about, Dina, is, again, the news of the week. It just yeah. seems like, you know, there's always things on both sides during the week. And one of the things I look forward to at about 9.03 on Saturday mornings <laughs> when you were here is to say, okay, it's not a financial crisis, but maybe it's not as great as some other people have said as well. Where are we this week from the news that you've received? Well, let me just give you a recap of the week, and hopefully this will answer your question. Um, the Dow was mostly flat for the week, ending at 25916 That large company index is up 4.84% for the year. The S&P was down a percent, bringing that index to 7.4% year-to-date. The NASDAQ's been the big winner all year, uh, but it was down to and a half percent for the week, still up 14 and a half so far for 2018. The NASDAQ, as you may know, is a, is a really tech-heavy index, so if, if the tech sector's doing well, chances are the NASDAQ's going to follow suit. However, global stock prices slipped for the week due to some ongoing concerns within what are called the emerging markets. So that caused the yield on the 10-year Treasury to rise 12 basis points. So the 10-year is now yielding 2.94%. Uh, U.S. labor data actually showed a nice uptick in wages, which is something that we've been looking for for a good long time. 
The price of a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude oil, that's our, our measure of oil prices in the country, they fell a little bit to 67.20 a barrel after a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, caused a little bit of a disruption. And volatility, of course, how much this market bounces up and down all over the place, it's measured by, a, uh, by an index called the VIX. And the VIX rose 14.9 to 14.9 from 13.6 a week ago. Not important to understand how that is calculated. Okay. Um, we'll leave that to the brainiacs uh, <laughs> on, on Wall Street somewhere. But understand that when that VIX index number goes up, that means volatility is, is higher. Does that mean that NASDAQ is generally then, since you mentioned about NASDAQ being up so much during the course of this year, is NASDAQ the most volatile of those three indexes that you mentioned, Dina? Of the three, most of the time the NASDAQ is the most volatile. You're going to see the the biggest difference between the highs and the lows on the NASDAQ versus the Dow and the S&P. Although I will say the S&P, as, as it is composed right now, has a pretty hefty technology component to it as well. So the S&P uh, is not without its volatility, certainly not. Okay, great. And you also mentioned a term, if I could ask you real quick, about emerging markets. Um, I would assume an emerging market is not the one that goes to those G9 summits that they have in Asia <laughs> every year. Is that correct? No, no. no. When, uh, in fact, the emerging markets news this week really has to do with South Africa and Indonesia. So, for example, South Africa this week fell into a technical recession, which is two back-to-back -back quarters of falling GDP. It's their first recession since 2009, and Indonesia was forced to take some action to protect its currency this week. So these are not uh, large developed countries like we think of, of the United States or Canada or Australia. Um, these are smaller, uh, smaller countries that are, dare we say, developing. Mm -hmm. Their middle classes are growing, but they do not have perhaps the central banking structure that we have. They don't have the monetary backing that that we have as a as a developed nation so we as investors and you as an analyst keep an eye on these because of why well of course uh when we look at investment opportunities we look at what's happening today we look at the things that we think are going to make money for you today and then we also try to look down the timeline and say okay when the u.s economy slows down and it eventually will where are those economies that we think will pick up as we're slowing down? And we look at the emerging economies. We look at the emerging markets countries from a demographic perspective, and they look so much like the United States did in the 50s and 60s, demographically speaking. Oh, now I understand. Except, sure. except with a much larger population. So if we're looking for places for potential growth of our investment dollars, we have to look at the emerging markets. It's a compelling story. But back to your volatility question, we have to also be mindful that those emerging markets economies, those emerging markets investment opportunities are going to come with a high degree of volatility, much more so than our domestic indices, even, even more so than the NASDAQ. And that's just because of where they are as a developing country, correct? Well, it is. And, and the emerging markets economies, the, the growth 
or the decline of the stock values associated with those various countries can can turn more quickly based on a headline. There's okay. there's some uh, some fear or some uncertainty built in to investing in emerging markets that's not as prevalent when you're investing domestically. There's a lot more research that goes into uh, picking emerging markets stocks to invest in and it's sometimes it's harder to get the data that you need mm -hmm. i can go on yahoo finance today <laughs> and find just about any data point that i want on any publicly traded united states company which means our listener can do exactly the same thing absolutely yeah. absolutely not as easy on foreign on okay. foreign companies especially again those emerging markets companies now you had mentioned the the wages and that unemployment number that also came out. I'm just wondering, um, the, the news media just made it a big deal. And I think I just want to ask you, is it a big deal? Well, it... it, it they used historical references to, to well, say that's a big and deal. Well, of course, and that's the thing that we have to go on, right? Mm -hmm. Average hourly earnings rose at a 2.9% annual rate. That is the fastest rate that we have had in, in wages since May of 2009. So is it a big deal? I think yes. I think so, too, when I saw all the news comments about it. Well, when we think back, May of 2009, think, think where we were in this country. Think where we were fiscally and economically. We had just come out of a horrible recession. The bottom of the, the 08 recession actually technically wasn't even over yet in May 09. It was over in June. So when we look at the fact that we haven't seen an earnings growth at, at this pace since the bottom of the recession, I do think that's a material data point for us. Surprising number to you when you saw that number come out earlier this week? Well, you know, we had a similar number at the beginning of the year. That's what toppled the markets at the end of January. What, what I see happening here is now we've got two very strong data points in 2018 as it relates to wages. Um, when we had the first data point at the end of January that I think it was the same, I think it was the same percentage, maybe maybe 2.6, uh, don't mm -hmm. quote me on that. Mm -hmm. But um, it was, the question in, in our industry was, is this a fluke, is this a one-off? Well, now we've got another data point that's pointing to the same thing. Now that so, looks like a trend. What, what do they say in sports? Two becomes a winning streak. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but we we have to... We have to watch this and say, okay, you know, this is great. Now we've got two similar data points in the same year. This could be the beginning of a trend. And if we're investing and if we're looking at things to point us in a direction as investors, the next question is, is this an early signal of some sort of inflation? Because inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. Right. It's prices rising too rapidly. And when we have rapid increases in, in our wages, when we have rapid increases in consumer spending, the inflation typically follows. Now, 2.9% wage growth, that's not just knocking the cover off the ball. It's a nice number. It's a bigger number than we've had in a very long time. Mm -hmm. But it's not... This does not, to me, say, oh, no, we, we're now facing this tsunami of inflation. That's not what this says to me. It says to me that, hey, wow, the labor force is very tight. The job market has openings that we're not able to fill. And now the next logical piece of this is that wages will go up. And that was my point, is that when I saw that number, Dina, I was thinking that will give – 
probably some employees in certain industries and certain trades the ammunition they need to maybe ask for that raise in 2019. Is that a fair way to look at that 2.6 number, or am I just extrapolating a little bit too much here? I, it remains to be seen. Okay. Um, it is, I, I think workers have a better shot of, of pushing for a pay increase now because there are job openings out there that employers can't fill. So do you want to keep your talent on board? Do you want to keep the the people who have done so well for you? Well, maybe give them a little more money. I'll tell you what. I will ask I'm, Chris. I'm okay for that. I will ask Chris and Larry for a raise, and I'll let you know the next time we're together just how it turns out. All you, right. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Again, if you have a question for Dina, please give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Dina? So we we are always watching data points. We're always looking for signs of the next recession. We're always looking for signs of inflation. And while the the income, uh, the average hourly earnings increase is is a good data point, the non-farm payrolls was a really good data point this week. Also, non-farm payrolls rose higher than expected, 201,000 jobs added, uh, and the unemployment rate remained at 3.9%. So if I'm making the case for some coming inflation, I'm I'm starting to, to sort of lay the groundwork here. And then I go to the manufacturing and service sectors, and the manufacturing index called the PMI, when this thing goes up, and it goes up rapidly, that's an inflationary signal. The manufacturing index rose to a 14-year high of 61.3 from 58.1 in July. Again, not a huge increase, but it's notable. It's it's definitely eye-catching. And the non-manufacturing increase also rose. So we're seeing an economy that is is moving forward. It's it's chugging along. Jobs are jobs are there. Income is going up. Manufacturing is going up. Uh, non-manufacturing services are going up. So to me, those things say inflation could be rearing its head for us. And it's been quite a while since we've had measurable concerning inflation. So for our listeners, are these numbers that we should be reacting to or just watching right Just now? watch at this watching. point. We, okay. and, and that's what we're doing. We're, okay. we're watching it. Again, two, two consecutive data points does not a trend make, but it's, it's eye-catching and it's certainly waving a flag saying, hey, hey, watch this. So the next time we see each other in a month or so, some of these numbers are the next quarter or so, if some of these numbers continue that trend, that may be where you have some advice for us based on those numbers. Could be, yeah. could be. Okay. Um, we are at Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Of course, we are watching for inflation. We're watching for the next recession, and we're using those data points to direct our investment methodology. At this point, we have not made any huge changes over the past couple of quarters, um, but we remain poised and ready to when we need to. <laughs> Again, if you have a call for Dina this morning, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Dina, how about we take a break, come back, and hopefully we'll have some calls. We can discuss some other things that I know are on your mind today. When we get back, we're going to talk about worst-case scenario financial planning. 
So once again, you've looked at my wife's and my budget, and you're going to make a show point about it. Great. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Again, our phone number, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Give us a call. We'll be right back with more. Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More making money sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. 571-490-7117. Troy Turo and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise? Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 703- 201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. My name is Bob Jones, in for the vacationing Chris McKay. In the studio with us this morning is Dina Arnett, in for the vacationing Larry Rosenthal. If you have a call regarding financial planning, retirement planning that you'd like to ask Dina, give us a call now at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. That's 855-767-3123. 3123. Dina? 
All right. Uh, I said before the break, we're going to talk about worst case scenario financial planning. You know, it's very easy to get enthralled with the investment piece, the retirement planning piece, the college planning piece, and all of these things that are that are predicated on life going smoothly. And so many times I have clients call and they say, I've had a speed bump in the road. I need you to help me work around it. I've had this thing happen or that thing happen, and it was not according to plan. And and now we have to react. So I want to talk today about how to do this this worst case scenario planning in advance while life is good and things are running smoothly. That way, when these surprises come, it's not quite as awful, at least not financially speaking. Before we get into this, let's talk to Nick yeah. in Silver Spring. Nick has a question about bonds, and it sounds like Nick is a new investor, Dina, so this could be interesting for us as well. Nick, good morning. You are on the air with us on Making Money Sense. Good morning. Nick, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hi, you're on the air. What can I help you with? Hey, good morning. Uh, I just had a question about um, uh, first-time buyers of bonds. Are you you talking Uh, U.S. savings bonds? U.S. savings bonds, yes. Um, uh, What are your feelings on that as far as um, being a a first-timer? Okay, so you have have never invested in anything else before? No, I've had uh, uh, standard um, stocks, but very small, just Mm -hmm. kind of dabbling. But uh, I'd like to start putting our money towards uh, U.S. savings bonds. Okay. But very much a novice. Very good. Well, let's talk about what savings bonds are. These are Series EE bonds, and they have a maturity of 30 years. When when you purchase them, you're purchasing them at half the cost of their face value. So if you buy a $100 Series EE bond, you're going to be paying $50 for it. And that will accrue interest over the next 30 years. You can buy amounts from $25 all the way up to $10,000. So um, it's it's a nice conservative way to accumulate some money. The interest paid on these isn't very good right now, and whatever interest you lock in at today, that's the interest that you're going to have for the life of the bond. So I wouldn't go putting a ton of money into them. Uh, There are some, if you have children, there are some college planning advantages for U.S. savings bonds. If you meet certain criteria, then the interest on those savings bonds is non-taxable if used to pay for college. So so there can be some upside to the savings bonds. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all, but it is a nice supplement to the other savings that you do. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and that's very much what we're looking for, something conservative, uh, a good way to start. And uh, I do see that the economy is moving in a forward direction. Very good, Nick. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Have a great day. Nick, thank you for calling. You can got, dial into us right now. We have available and open lines at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Dina? So I was talking about worst-case scenario planning. And wh- whenever we do a financial plan for a client, we talk about your goals. When do you want to retire? When do you want to move into your dream home? When do you want to send your college, your children to college? And how much do you want to pay toward their education? But we 
also have to talk about the things that can derail that plan along the way. A premature death, an accident, a disability, um, these are these all fall into under the category of what I call worst case scenario planning. And I'll tell you, Bob, it is difficult to engage people in that conversation. Uh, sometimes people have have difficulty facing their own mortality. I've got so many clients who have on their to-do list, hey, I'm going to go to the lawyer and put together my will and my trust and my powers of attorney, and it keeps getting put on the back burner over and over and over again. Um, it is sometimes because of a lack of time to do those things. It, it absolutely takes time to sit down and and hammer out and, and write out what your wishes are. Um, sometimes it's a little bit scary because you don't know what you don't know. Ooh. Um, uh, sometimes it's it's difficult to look at a situation and say, okay, these are the these are definitely my next steps because you know if if you're working for the federal government or you're working in a bank or you're a teacher or you're a doctor or or a therapist or whatever your your profession in life is, maybe you don't feel that you have enough knowledge to make these decisions. Um, the biggest reason I think people don't do this is quite simply fear of the unknown. Um, uh, it's, it's difficult to look at this type of planning with a clear head because you're talking about, hey, what do I want for my family if I'm not here or I'm not able to do these things for them? And you it's, see that, right? I see it all yeah. the time. It's a difficult conversation, and I've seen every spectrum of this. I have seen people who have planned everything down to the color of dress that they wore in their casket when they died, to people who have left their entire estate to the to the determination of whatever state they lived in. Um, so I'm, I'm here today to encourage everyone to, to spend some time thinking about what your worst case scenario might be and then work with your financial planner or your attorney or your financial planning dream team to put some measures in place. I would think, though, that at least if they were talking to you, they were ready to take that first step that not, you were talking not necessarily oh, not necessarily okay. so many people think that financial planning is simply investing money of course it is and, and <laughs> it's not hey i can't do financial planning without that okay we've got to have some means to retire some means to buy a house some means to keep food on the table money's part of the equation certainly but it's only one piece of it we have to plan for the financial emergency so i've got some steps for our listeners to follow to to plan for these various financial emergencies um and and hey we can make these plans and we can put these provisions in place. And if none of these things ever transpire, that's lovely, too. It's not a waste of time to go through this at all. Absolutely not. The very first step for preparing for the unexpected is to have a solid emergency fund in place. A, an amount of money that you can draw on if you lose your job, if you become disabled, if there is some sort of major disaster that requires money beyond what insurance would cover. So my general rule of thumb is that your emergency fund needs to be liquid. So I'm, I'm thinking a money market, uh, a savings account, uh, maybe some CDs at the bank. But I don't want this money exposed to any sort of market risk. I don't want to run the chance that you need the money and the market is down and you have less than you need. 
So my general rule on this is your emergency fund needs to be liquid, as I have just described, and should cover somewhere between three and six months of your of your what I'm going to call committed fixed expenses. So that's not three to six months of salary. That's looking at your expenses and saying, this is what I need to cover that. Well, here's the tricky part of that. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, yes, it is three to six months of your salary. Um, if you uh, if you have done the detail work and you understand which pieces of your budget are fixed and required versus those things that are nice to have and discretionary. I would say three to six months of the required things, your mortgage, your food, your utilities, your car payment, um, add all that stuff up and you need at least three months worth of that to be really, really super secure and have a well-developed emergency fund. You need six months worth. That sounds like something that most people don't have. Is that what you find in your business as well? I I see everything. Um, I have some people who have too much, and we have to have the conversation of, listen, you're sitting on too much cash. This is stunting your growth. And then I see people who say, you know what, I can save $25 a paycheck, and that's all I can do. We've got to start somewhere. There's got to be some money set aside for emergencies. This is the bedrock of planning for the unexpected. And before you move to step two, can I ask you that term liquid? I assume that means if I knew today, Dina, on a Saturday that I needed money Monday, you want liquid to mean I can get it Monday. That's right. To me, liquidity means how quickly you can get your hands on the money. Not two weeks from now, not a month from now. You mean... I want to go to the, the next ATM. business day, basically. I want to go to the ATM, stick my card in, and the machine spits out money. And that's liquid. That's liquid. Okay, good. Okay. And I had, I had a conversation with a client just this week. She's got money in the bank sufficient for the six months, but she's also got money in a non-retirement investment account, so a brokerage-type okay. account. And that is is fairly liquid as well. It's not as liquid as money at the bank because I can't go to the ATM on my brokerage account. But she can give me a phone call and say, hey, I need 20 grand out of my brokerage account, and that cash can be available within 24 hours. That's pretty liquid. That's a high degree of liquidity. So when I'm talking about liquid money, my preference is for the emergency fund that it is not in a brokerage account. It's not invested in stocks and mutual funds. It's cash. It's cash that you can get your hands on right now. Put your card in an ATM machine, type in X hundred dollars, pull out the money. That's right. Got it. That's right. So that's step number one. Step number two is to look at and determine what your family's need is for life insurance. If you have a spouse, especially if you have children and you are earning money and helping financially support the house, you probably need life insurance. No one likes to have this conversation with me. I've had I've had men and women both say, "Hey, I don't want my spouse to be enriched because I die." Ooh. And and okay, fair enough conversation, but do you want them to be poor? Mhm. Do you want them to be financially devastated because you're no longer around to earn a paycheck to help send the kids to school and keep the lights on? So the life insurance conversation is very practical where you provide some sort of income or input to the family. In the event of your passing. Correct. Got it. Correct. And when I say input to the family, I'm not just talking about a paycheck. Stay-at-home parents 
also need life insurance, where we've got one parent working and the other staying at home, perhaps to homeschool or raise young children, there would be a definite financial uh, deficit if that stay-at-homer were no longer there. Or the other way around, for that matter. Well, yes, yeah. but I'm, I'm specifically talking yeah. about the stay-at-home person right. because it's it's easy to see where the income earner needs the life insurance. That's a very easy thing to discuss. It's easy to understand. But the person who is at home raising the kids and keeping the house, there's a there's an economic impact there as well. A value, yes. If that person is unable to continue providing that, someone else is going to have to. And that someone else is going to want a paycheck for doing it. So there's a need to examine the life insurance coverage on both spouses, both partners in in a family. And if there's no life insurance or if there's a a situation where you're underinsured, we need to look at a way to close that gap. How do we know if we're overinsured, underinsured, or correctly? I love that question. We do this through financial planning. I have a, a module in the financial plan that I do for my clients called a life insurance gap analysis. And the math that goes into this gap analysis is quite simply looking at your income and expenses and looking at what you want to happen for your family if you die young. So, for example, if you have a mortgage on the house and you pass away, do you want your spouse to have that house paid off? If the answer is yes, you need enough insurance to make sure that happens. If your goal is to send your children to college and you die young, do you want to still be able to pay for your kids to go to college? If so, you may need life insurance to make that happen. So depending on the stage of your life, that insurance number could be greatly different in one circumstance to the other. Well, and, and quite often when we're doing the life insurance gap analysis, we do it in chunks of, of what I call your, your economic timeline. So when, when the children are young and they have not yet started college, you're, you're in these, these expensive years. You're in these years where, quite frankly, your budget is higher than it is when the kids have flown the nest and moved out on their own. Does that ever happen? Do you know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> In my experience, I, I've seen it happen. I've heard of it. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. I understand. Um, you know, there, there are, you have a, a, a higher need for life insurance at, at the earlier stage of the family. Which is probably the least amount of time that you're thinking about life insurance is well, when you it, need it the most. Well, and it's it's quite often the period of time when the budget is the tightest. And we're going through and we're looking at things and we're saying, okay, you need this amount of life insurance to take care of your family if you're not here to do it. And they're saying, but my budget's already stretched so tight. How am I going to afford this? Good financial planning will help answer those questions. What I find in so many cases is that as you age, that need for life insurance goes down. So I will run the financial plan looking at different segments of life. We look at the segment when the kids are at home. We look at the segment when the kids are in college. And then we look at the segment of life when you're empty nesting and you're propelling toward those retirement years. That need for life insurance is typically going to go down. So we may sometimes have two or three different policies of different lengths of time that will cover the different the different pieces of that timeline. Dina, I thought you were going to say everybody needs a million dollars of life insurance. No. And what you're telling me is that 
your needs definitely are different than my needs at our stages of life and where we are in life. And our listeners could be as various from one end of the scale or the other. It's not a number. It's, it is, it, it, there is a number, right. but, it's but it's not, not the, the same, same number right. for everyone. I thought you were going to say everybody needs $500,000 of life insurance. I'm not going to, to mm-hmm. lie about that. No. And you're telling me just the opposite. I am telling you the opposite, and that's why financial planning is so important because what is applicable for you and your life situation may be very different than what's applicable for me and mine. So the big the big worst-case scenario planning takeaway when we're talking about life insurance is to get with a planner and calculate your number. Understand what your number is and find the most cost-effective way to put that into place. And understand the, the amount of time that you need that particular level of coverage. It's probably not forever. Okay. Sometimes we can't get to that number, which we'll call for the sake of argument X, the amount of insurance we need. But you would be happy if we at least tried to approach X. Is that correct? There, there are so many financial planning circumstances where I have said to clients, something is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And in life insurance planning, absolutely, I, I have that same mantra. I would rather you have some coverage for your family to help get them closer to their goals than have nothing at all. And for many of us, life insurance is a benefit of a full-time job position as well. I'm assuming that's something we can take advantage of with little or no expense. The employer-provided life insurance that's out there is great for you while you're working for that employer. And in cases where you may not be able to acquire coverage on your own, maybe because of some health concerns, an employer-provided policy is absolutely a go-to. And so many times, if you change employers, they give you the opportunity to take that coverage with you. It becomes portable. But My preference is always that you have your own private coverage that we don't have to worry about changing when you change employers. Just understand that there are some circumstances where the employer coverage may be your best option, and then there are some circumstances where it won't. I was just thinking of your point there about something is better than nothing. That something for some of our listeners may be the The company-offered insurance. Okay, great. Absolutely, absolutely. You are listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show, with Dina Arnett this morning. You can call us now with your questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. I love conversations, Dina, where we talk about steps because you can take, you know, step number one, and then you can take step number two. That's right. I'm assuming step number three is coming up soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's take a break right now. Again, if you would like to call us, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123. We'll be back in just a minute with more of Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense 
in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 703- 201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turo at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporation's NMLS number 5618 and 99665. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Where did that music come from? That's so fantastic. <laughs> you are listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. You can give us a call now with your financial planning or retirement planning question at 855 855- Rose one two three eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. In studio with us this morning is Dina Arnett with Larry on vacation. And again, give us a call eight five five Rose one two three. We were talking about life insurance just a minute ago, and oddly enough, we have a phone call from Penny who would like to know about life insurance for children. Good morning, Penny. Good morning. Hi, Penny. Hi. Um. I know my children are grown, but um, I find out so many times or I think about so many times that people or families don't think about buying life insurance for their children. Um, And what's your thoughts on that? And my thoughts have always been that if something happened um, to a young couple or what I bought it for was that if we had funeral expenses or something Mm -hmm. or if something did happen to one of our children – 
that that could be devastating to a family and income as well. And I just wanted your thoughts on that and what kind of policies or recommendations you would have on that. Sure, that's a great question. You know, back in the day, um, my parents did it. I'm, I'm sure, Bob, your parents did it. They bought ho- these whole life insurance policies uh, on us kids, and it was it was marketed as a way to make sure if the child died young, you had money for burial expenses, and if the child lived, it was a nice little almost savings account type of thing, an extra little little bucket of money. Um, in today's environment, I, I beyond having a a policy sufficient to cover an unexpected death of a child. I struggle to find a good reason to buy a lot of life insurance on kids. Um, uh, The the funeral planning aspect aside, because that's that's such a rare thing. Um, The life expectancy for children is many, many years. So uh, that thing, that instance aside, I don't fully buy into the notion that a, a whole life policy is a great way to save money for kids. I The insurance cost alone eats into every dollar that gets deposited into the policy. Uh, I just don't think it's a cost-effective way to accumulate money for a child. If you're going to use life insurance on a child for its intended purpose, which is to handle uh, expenses if the child passes away, it's very easy for a parent to get what's called an extra rider or an endorsement on their own policy that would cover the kids. So it's, you know, if you talk to enough people in my industry, you're going to get a lot of different opinions on this. Um, the The average cost of a funeral in this area is somewhere between eight and $10,000 if you go the traditional funeral route with the burial, the casket, the, the viewing and the, and the service and all of that. So to have some coverage to take care of that, I think, is a very practical thing, especially if you're a young family and you don't have that money already set aside. Beyond that, I don't buy into the, the notion of getting these whole life policies to accumulate money for the kids. I think there are better ways to do it. Well, and the one thing with that is my youngest daughter was diagnosed um, when she was 10 with renal hypertension. Mm. And what I have found is that it was a good thing I bought her a life insurance policy because she is very hard to get any insurance whatsoever. Absolutely, she Um, is. It's very hard for her to get a policy. Um, And now that she's turn 20 and 20 and she'll soon be 21 uh, a lot of insurance people have told me that she may be able to get more insurance because it's been a controlled um health issue right but um it was a good thing that i bought her and a uh, life insurance policy when i did because otherwise um a lot of people won't will not insure her at all, and right. so that that was my where my thinking is coming from is that you never know, and so to even if you did did just have that fifteen or twenty five thousand dollar policy, you never know what future um, 
things will bring or what will come about. Well, and that's um, the exact premise of any insurance. We don't know what the future holds. In most cases, I I don't advocate buying a bunch of life insurance on a child, but there are absolutely cases like with your daughter where it was a good thing you bought it. Thank right, you for the exactly. call, Penny. So it was just, just I, I heard you talking about insurance, and I just wanted to share my um, thoughts on that and the fact that maybe, you know, one way I decided to buy it was because of family medical history. So mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. definitely something people need to take into account to look at what their family medical histories are and to make sure that they based judgments on those things as well. Thanks for your thoughts, Penny. Appreciate you listening. Thank you for calling Making Money Sense. We now have a call from Arnita. I think this is step maybe 2A when step 2 was putting together insurance. And now Arnita has a question, Dina, about putting together a will. Good morning, Arnita. Hey, Arnita. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm so sorry to hear about your loss, Dina. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy to hear your voice, too. Thank you so much. What can I do for you today, Arnita? Well, you know, I, I did hear when I just tuned in that you were talking about insurance. Now, I guess for the listeners out there, but I know I hear, I hear a lot of people asking questions about what types of uh, insurance should you get, life insurance. And I've always been told instead of whole life term insurance because it's much cheaper. So that's well it it's just like Bob and I were talking about earlier Arnita it depends on your circumstance there are yes. certain circumstances in life where a, a portion of your life insurance need may not go away until you're very very old so and it's hard for me to get a term insurance policy that's going to last you until you're 80 or 90 years old. So that's where the the whole life or the universal life or, or what I will call permanent insurance, that's where that type of insurance is, is most important. Where there are insurance needs that go away over time. So let's say, let's say you're within 10 years of sending your kids to college. You, you, you know that your, your kids go to college in 10 years. They'll graduate in four or five. Maybe your need for life insurance to cover that particular issue is only 10 to 15 years long. Term insurance is great for that because I can go and buy a 10 or a 15 or a 20-year term policy. It's going to be very inexpensive compared to the same level of policy with a, a whole life or a universal life. And then once that need is is fulfilled the policy goes away and you don't pay for it anymore. So there, my, the short answer, Arnita, and I sort of went all around the world with that, is that it depends. Mm-hmm. It depends on the situation and how long the insurance coverage is needed. Okay, thank you so much. I did want to talk about um, putting together a will, but the next time we meet, that's what we'll talk about. So. Sounds great, okay. Arnita. Thank you so much for always listening. I appreciate you. Thank you, Arnita. Again, you can call us now with your financial or retirement planning questions at 855-ROSE-123-855-767-3123. Step three. 
Dina? Uh, you're, you're right on task. So we've, <laughs> we've talked about having an emergency fund, which is that three to six months of your committed fixed expenses. We've talked about doing a life insurance gap analysis to make sure that your family is taken care of. The other the, Step three is looking at your other insurance coverages. Life insurance is, is appropriate, but there are other insurances as well. You need your health insurance, your homeowner's or your rental policy. You may need to look at some disability coverage. So it's important to take a look at all of your different, what I'm going to call financial exposures, the potential pitfalls in life, and make sure that you have the appropriate coverage to handle if something goes wrong in those areas. The next piece of this is to create a backup budget. And a backup budget is really a subset of your current budget. The backup budget is the have to things. What are the things that absolutely must be paid no matter what's going on? That's your mortgage and food. Your mortgage, your food, your utilities, gas for the car, your car payment so you can get to work, right? Um, You need to understand what your bare bones requirements are in the house because if something happens where you're out of work for a period of time or where maybe there's a natural disaster of some sort. We are talking worst case scenario planning, right? You want to know what your bare bones minimum financial needs are. So worst case scenario planning, have an emergency fund three to six months, do a life insurance gap analysis, do a gap analysis on all the other types of insurance, and then have a good understanding of what your minimum household budget is. I think when people look at their minimum household budget, I think there's a realization that a lot of things aren't part of that minimum household budget, Dina. Well, exactly. You know, we, we like our creature comforts. I, sh- I know I sure do. But if something happened and I were unemployed for a period of time, there are certain things that I would have to let go of. I would have to let go of my premium cable subscription, mm-hmm. even though there are certain shows I really like to watch. And sometimes all at necess- once. <laughs> it's not a necessary thing. Netflix, as much as I love to binge watch certain shows on Netflix, it's not a necessary thing in my life. So you have to go through and really do a hard assessment of what's required and what's not. Dina, we have about two minutes left in today's show. Is there another topic you'd like to start on? Or do you want to talk about all the things that are on the new and improved LarryRosenthal.com, RosenthalWealthManagement.com websites. Well, let's let's close up with that okay. um, because I, I've got tons of stuff I could talk about for the next two minutes, and it'd be just enough to to muddy the waters okay. a little bit. So. Ultimately, what we've talked about today, we've talked about the markets, we've talked about the economy, and we've talked about worst-case scenario financial planning. But what it all boils down to is that each of us needs to have a good financial plan, a roadmap to get us from here to wherever we aspire in the future from a financial perspective. A good financial plan is going to incorporate that worst-case scenario planning. If you have not done that sort of financial planning, if you haven't done a deep dive on the finances and the goals that you have for yourself and your family, I encourage you to give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. Request our financial planning toolkit. That will get you started. That will help you get your finances organized and ready to meet with one of our financial planners 
to move forward on creating that financial plan. We do an initial consultation with anyone who wants to come talk with us. We do that free of charge because we want you to understand that we're here for you. We're on your side. We want to help you and your family reach your financial goals in the best way possible. So, so give us a call, request that financial planning toolkit, and let's start working toward that financial plan. I know we're almost out of time, but one thing I did learn today, we're all unique. And you kept mentioning that, that what is good for person A or couple A could be totally different for the Joneses or the Arnettes. There are some universal truths. You have to save for the future. You need an emergency (laughs) fund. You need some insurance. But beyond those universal truths, we have to dig into the the amount of money that you need in each of those categories. We do have some calls, by the way, that will talk to us afterwards on the air. So we better take some time right now to just say thank you for listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. We are running up against a hard end time right here. Again, you can call us after the show at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Dina is in studio and can take a minute or two to answer your phone calls after the show if you would like. For Josh in the back. Thanks, and, Josh. And Dina in for the vacationing Larry Rosenthal, who is biking his way across the Rust Belt or the CNO Canal. My name is Bob Jones in for Chris McKay. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you again next Saturday at this same time for another edition of Making Money Sense. Have a great weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.